Good morning, Cheviot Churches, and good morning to those joining us in other places as well. You're all very welcome. This is Colin, and this week I'm going to be in Kelso Old and Sprouston, ordaining two elders. So Arthur and Kathleen are going to be leading the service, the services at Yetham and Morbato. And they're going to do the podcast today. So I'm just going to hand over to them. I, there's not so many intimations this week so far, but please do look on the website and you'll, you'll see if there's any there. And so I'll hand over to Kathleen. Good morning. Our call to worship is from Psalm 48. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise in the city of our God, his holy mountain. Beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth, like the heights of Zaphon is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. God is in his citadels. He has shown himself to be her fortress. Our first hymn is number 457, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name, verses 1, 3 and 4. Come to God in prayer with our adoration and confession. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we bless you. Thank you for being the King of glory. Thank you for being our Father, Redeemer, Shepherd and King. Thank you for reconciling us back to you through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. We are thankful to you for the Holy Spirit, who is the promised advocate, who empowers us to be effective witnesses to your kingdom 
here on earth. Thank you for loving us and watching over us. Lord, let all that we are praise you. Forgiving Father, forgive us as a church family for our sins of pride, rebellion, disobedience, selfishness. Lord, forgive us for our half-hearted worship. Forgive us for disrespecting your name and treating you irreverently. Forgive those who choose not to bless and honour you. Lord Jesus, forgive those who take your sacrifice for granted. Holy Spirit, forgive those who do not acknowledge you or your presence in their daily lives. But we thank you that when we confess our sins, you freely forgive us. And now let's join together in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever. Amen. Our Bible readings today come from Samuel and from Mark's Gospel. Samuel chapter 5 verses 1 to 5 and then 9 to 10. David becomes king over Israel. All the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, We are your own flesh and blood. In the past, while Saul was king over you, you were the one who led Israel on their military campaigns. And the Lord said to you, You will shepherd my people Israel, and you will become their ruler. When all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, the king made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he became king and he reigned 40 years. In Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years and six months and in Jerusalem he reigned over all Israel and Judah 33 years. David then took up residence in the fortress and called it the City of David. He built up the area around it from the terraces inward and he became more and more powerful because the Lord God Almighty was with him. Now Mark chapter 6 verses 1 to 13 A prophet without honour Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? 
Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters with him, with us? And they took offence at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honour except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the twelve to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter the house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. May God bless to us these readings from his word. Our second hymn is number 351, Jesus' Hands Were Kind Hands. We read in our Old Testament reading of the story of David becoming king over Israel. The representatives of the various tribes cite three reasons for recognising David as their king. Firstly, David was an Israelite. Secondly, David the one who led Israel on their military campaigns. And thirdly, David made a compact with them before the Lord. Interestingly, David was 30 years old when he became king, and we read he reigned for some 40 years. Jesus Christ, who was described as the son of David, the son of Abraham, also began his ministry at the age of 30. Only Christ Jesus, great David's greater son, fulfills the prophecy recorded in Psalm 72. 
Only Jesus brings perfect justice, a universal kingdom, and an everlasting reign. I give the King your justice, O God, and your righteous to the royal Son. In stark contrast to the story from Mark's Gospel, St John reminds us that Jesus came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Jesus did not come to make life easy. He came to make people great. A recent quotation that I loved and repeat now, Jesus did not come to make life easy. He came to make people great. Today's lesson is made up of two quite distinct parts. Part 1, Jesus' visit to his hometown in Nazareth. And part 2, Jesus standing, ascending rather, his disciples out two by two. These two parts are distinct not only because each is a story unto itself, capable of standing alone, but also because they stand in such vivid contrast to one another. The first is a story of failure. After initial enthusiasm, the people of Jesus' hometown turned against him. He was, Mark tells us in verse 5, unable to do any miracles there. But the second scene is a scene of success. The disciples again, Mark tells us, cast out many demons, and they anointed many sick people and healed them. Isn't that odd? Jesus, who up to this point in Mark, had been teaching with power, healing and casting out demons, could do nothing. While the disciples, who were so often missing the point, even missing in action at times, are most powerful and effective. The two parts are so different and their difference so unexpected that, that it will come as no surprise that many commentators urge us to pick one of the two stories or parts to examine at a time, not both. Still, they stand together. Perhaps there is a reason for that. Maybe Mark was onto something. Together these two scenes have something to tell us, not only about God and God's power, but about our part in God's power. Together they tell us about the power of faith and also something about the power of disobedience. Together they tell us something about what happens when ego and pride get in the way when we get in the way. And what happens when hope, faith and expectation clear the way and God takes central place? The journalist Tom Friedman once told a story in order to explain why the Middle East peace process seems so frequently stuck it was a story about a man named Goldberg. Every week when the results of the lottery were announced, Goldberg prayed to God, God, why don't I ever win the lottery? 
What have I done wrong? I've been a good man. Why shouldn't I win? Again the next week the lottery winner was announced and again Goldberg was disappointed and he cried out to God, What will it take, Lord? I'm a righteous man, an honourable man, a hard-working man. Would it be so hard for you just once to let me win the lottery? The clouds parted. The heavens opened and a voice came forth out of the heavens. The voice said, Goldberg, give me a chance. Buy a ticket. <laughs> two stories, two distinct stories, set cheek by jowl. And one, they bought the ticket. And the other, they refused. But why? Why did they refuse? Let's look at that first story. Part of one of our texts, Jesus' visit to his own hometown. We might imagine that now things would go well. We might assume that here Jesus would be received with joy and affirmation by those who knew him well. And initially, he was. The people of Nazareth, those who had known Jesus as a boy and young man, were surprised, indeed astonished, by his wisdom and power. But quickly, their surprise turned to offence. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? And they took offence at him. When Jesus was rejected in Nazareth, he did not, though it must have been painful for him, reject them in turn. He did not take offence. He only sadly shook his head and then moved on. He moved on, sending his disciples out two by two to preach, to heal and to teach. He said something quite interesting to them. They were to travel light, to take nothing for the journey but the clothes on their backs. The rejection at Jesus' hometown synagogue did not hinder the mission for long. In fact, it may have given impetus to the commissioning of the twelve for their first assignment. This was why Jesus had chosen twelve in chapter 3. Since that point they were preparing for their own mission. In chapter 4, Jesus taught about the nature of God's reign, providing private instruction for them. In chapter 5, Jesus performed liberating acts for them to witness. Finally, just before he sent them out, the mission experienced unexpected rejection. Perhaps a signal of what was to be expected in their work for the kingdom in the future. In these times of change and challenge for the church, or in times of challenge in our personal lives, God may be telling us to lighten our load, even helping us to do so. God is calling us to let go of some weighty assumptions about how we have always done things. God is telling us, like that once prominent church, to leave behind those big 
bulky suitcases stuffed full of pride and ego. Maybe God is asking us to surrender some truly heavy stuff, like the old conflicts we've been bearing or the grudges we've been nursing. God is using this time of challenge and change to strip these things from us so that we might travel light again, relying upon God's power alone to guide us and trusting God's grace to uphold us. Jesus Christ is here now in our church, in our community, in our lives. Will you receive him? Will you buy the ticket? The price of a ticket is faith, wild, risky faith, bold, trusting faith in the power of God and Jesus Christ who makes all things new. Let us join our weekly prayer together. Faithful God, we pray for ourselves as we go from our worship today to start the week ahead. We ask that in all we do, we may walk more closely with you at our side, safe in the knowledge that your fatherly love and care knows no bounds. Amen. And thanks be to God. Amen. The third hymn is number 255. Father, hear the prayer we offer, verses 1 and 2. Let us join our hearts and minds in our prayers of intercession. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give thanks for your gentle and enduring love, which never fails and always gives hope. We pray for the world and for all those who are affected by this pandemic particularly those more vulnerable in poorer countries. We pray for those who do not have access to clean water, soap and sanitation, those without good health care and families who are struggling to find food. Grant our leaders the gifts of courage, compassion and wisdom as they face such challenging circumstances and decision-making. 
We pray for our scientists as they work tirelessly to find answers. We particularly remember those in hospitals or care homes and we pray for everyone who is sick or afraid of the future, for those who are bereaved and grieving, those who are isolated and we also pray for all who support them. God be their healer, their comforter and their protection. We think of our own community and pray for guidance to be good neighbours so that no one feels lonely, forgotten or unloved. Raise up your church to be your well-washed hands and faithful feet to respond with love in action. And now let us pause for a moment as we remember and pray for those known to ourselves. Amen. Our final hymn is number 529, Fourth in Your Name, O Lord I Go. This is one and two. And before our benediction, our thanks to Kathleen and to Arthur for leading us in our service today, and also to, to Heather and Gordon for the, the music. And now the benediction. People of God, go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you this day and even forevermore. Amen. Amen.